Good evening, everybody. We discussed in the previous year, we discussed the halachas of Bichas HaMitzvah. And today we will, Bez Hashem, discuss the halachas of what's known as Bichas HaShvach, Bichas Hoidah, different halachas which, different brachas which we make in praise and in thanksgiving to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Not just in, not just in, uh, it's not for any other reason that we have it, not that we're doing a mitzvah, but purely because of giving praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now there are a different number of different groups of brachas which go under the banner of Bichas HaShvach, but there's a fundamental difference between what we call Bichas HaShvach, Bichas HaShvach, the brachas which we give for thanks, thanksgiving to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the bracha that we say on a mitzvah that's being done. Whereas we discussed in the previous year at length that the brachas that we make for a mitzvah have to precede the action of the mitzvah. So before we shake a lulav, we will make a bracha. Before we fully sit in the sukkah, we'll make a bracha. Before we put on our talis, we make a bracha. Before we put on our tefillah, we make a bracha. But when it comes to the bracha of shvach, of praise, or the bracha of ahidah, of thanksgiving, that must follow the event that's causing the bracha. So, for example, we have an, under the banner of Bichas Hashvach, Bichas Eidah, we have brachas which we make on seeing the sea, seeing thunder, lightning, brachas that we say for seeing unusual created beings, bracha of Shechionu in different scenarios, different cases, Bichas Atayv many different types of brachas, which we'll discuss some of them today, that Chazan instituted but they said you can only say them post the event that triggers the bracha. So, for example, so thunder and lightning, you will not make the bracha on thunder and lightning pre-thunder and lightning. You will only make the bracha when the thunder and lightning has already happened. So, whereas in Birchus HaMitzvahs, we precede the mitzvah with the bracha, with Birchus HaShvach, which is the umbrella name that we're going to give to all these groups of brachas, Birchus HaShvach must follow from the act, from the action or the event that precipitates the mitzvah. So if you're going to the sea, the Yam HaGadol, which we will discuss at another time, the Yam HaGadol, which the halach is you make a bracha on the Yam HaGadol, or you go to any sea where the halach is you should make a bracha of Oysamaisabracious, you cannot make the bracha until you've actually seen the sea. If you haven't yet seen the sea, you may be going to see it in two minutes, one minute, in 10 seconds, you may be about to turn the corner and see the sea. You cannot make that bracha because Bichas HaShvach must follow the event that triggers the Shvach, contrary to Bichas HaMitzvah, which is always pre the Mitzvah itself. Bichas HaShvach can be said from the moment the trigger of the Shvach is there in place. So from the moment you see the sea, from the moment you see the thunder, the lightning, or whatever it may be, from that moment until the trigger of the bracha has has passed. So you can continue saying it until the thunder and lightning stops. But as soon as the thunder and lightning stops, after Tehkte Dibba, which is a very small amount, two to three seconds of the thunder and lightning, you cannot again say that bracha. It's too late. You've passed your opportunity to give that bracha. As long as you're seeing the sea, you can continue to say the bracha. If you move away from visually seeing the sea, then you can't say that bracha anymore. 
the bracha of Shechionu, which we, we often say, and we will discuss a little bit later, a bit more in, in length, at length. The bracha of Shechionu, which you say for eating a new peri, or for buying a new new piece of clothing, which we will discuss a bit later, but as I've shown the parameters for that. Technically, one should say the bracha as soon as you see the new fruit, or as soon as you see the new, or as soon as you bought the new piece of clothing. However, since sometimes we don't get so much pleasure from seeing fruit, particularly in today's generation where we, we live in a world of abundance and just seeing the fruit doesn't give us the same pleasure as it did historically. When you can imagine the, the opportunity to, have, to eat and buy fruit was very limited. It was very seasonal and extremely limited. And when an orange came into the shop, it was a, it was a yomtif. You know what? An orange has come into town and that was one, a wonderful simcha. Then we made a shechion on just visually seeing the orange. But today where fruit is in abundance and, and it's available all year round, even the unusual fruits, which don't come that often to the, to the stores uh, around us, we don't get the same simcha from seeing. Though halachically, seeing the fruit is enough to make a bracha. The minig has become and has evolved that we only make a bracha when we actually partake of the fruit, when we enjoy the fruit. And then we say the bracha of shechiyon. As long as you're eating the fruit, you can still say shechiyon. If you've finished eating that fruit, and you forgot to say Shekhyonu, even if you're going to eat another one of those fruits, an identical fruit, that's called the second eating, and you can't make a bracha Shekhyonu. The opportunity to make a Shekhyonu is only when you began to eat your first fruit. So you buy yourself a, a, a I don't know, a, a strange a, a star fruit, which is very rare and unusual, and you decide that that fits the parameters of Shekhyonu, uh, if you enjoy star fruit, that is. And you make a bracha of eights and you start eating the star fruit and you realize halfway through that you haven't yet made a shechionu. You can continue, you can make a shechionu as long as you're still eating the first star fruit that you were eating. If you finish the first one and you start on your second one and you then realize you hadn't said a shechionu, you cannot say the shechionu, then it's too late. You've passed your opportunity. The same applies when it comes to buying a cloth, a new clothing. We buy, when we buy new clothing, we will discuss a bit later the parameters of that. But when, we, when you buy a new piece of clothing that requires a shechion, or if you buy yourself a new house, or a new vessel, or a new item, anything that it may be, that gives you simcha, and you've bought it, it's yours, you then make a shechion. Technically speaking, you should make the shechion on a piece of clothing as soon as you bought it. So you've gone to Savile Row, you spent three and a half thousand pounds on your suit, and you've been measured, and you've gone back for fittings, and it's been an unbelievable, unbelievable simple. You've now bought the suit. You should be making shechion the moment you bought the suit. Again, but because often a suit is not ready to be worn when you buy it off the peg in the shop, and it needs some sort of alterations and a little bit of uh, touching up here and there, and therefore, the simcha is not quite there when you buy it. It's only actually there when you wear it. So therefore, again, the minig has evolved. The custom has evolved that we only make a brach of shechionu on clothing that you that you've bought when you wear them, rather when you have bought them. And again, as long as you're wearing your new clothing and enjoying the newness of the clothing, then you can make your shechionu. You you put your, your new suit, your new three three thousand pound saddle row suit on, and you're really happy with it. And after a few hours, you suddenly realize, oh dear, I forgot to make shechionu. You can still make shechionu as long as that that thrill of the new suit. Well, if it's a three thousand pound saddle row suit, you probably will have a thrill. Then you can continue to make a bracha a shechionu as long as that thrill is still there. If you already wore it and you took it off. 
and you're now putting it back on again, so you say, no, it's, the newness is not there anymore, then I'm afraid you can't make a bracha of Shechiyon. We have a very interesting problem when it comes to Rosh Hashanah. Just excuse me. We have a, a very interesting problem when it comes to the Yom Tov of Rosh Hashanah. Most Yom Tovim have a bracha of Shechiyon attached to them. Gemara tells us that Every mitzvah that comes from time to time, we have to give praise for. And that praise is in the form of a bracha of Shechiyonu. So every yomtiv comes with a bracha of Shechiyonu. First day of Pesach, Shechiyonu. First days of Pesach, Shechiyonu. First days of Sukkot, Shechiyonu. Shavuos, Shechiyonu. Second days of Sukkot, which is Shmini Atzeret, since it's a yomtiv unto itself, so we also make a Shechiyonu. Second days of Pesach, since it's not a yomtiv unto itself, it's a continuation of the previous yomtiv, so we don't make another Shechiyonu. Rosh Hashanah is two days Yontav. Rosh Hashanah's two days Yontav is a Sophic. Should we be making Shechion on the second day? Should we not? Now, on the first two days of Pesach, we make a Shechion on both nights. The first two days of Sukkot, we make a Shechion on both nights. First two days of Shavuos that we have here in Chutzlaris, we make a Shechion on both nights. Because each day is a Sophic Yontav. We're not sure if the Yontav is the first day or if the Yontav is the second day. Chazal said, keep both days. They sent us a message from Yerushalayim, that we should be keeping both days Yom Tov, because we're not quite sure exactly which day is Yom Tov, so we now have a minute to keep both days Yom Tov. It's a minute which should become a din, but we now keep two days Yom Tov. So we make a Shechion on both days. Rosh Hashanah is fundamentally different, because Rosh Hashanah is two days even in Eretz Yisrael, even where they know exactly when the month, when the, the new moon has, has risen, and when the Yerushchei should be, we still keep two days in Yerushalayim and Eretz Yisrael. So that the Gemara has a discussion whether the Yom Tov of Rosh Hashanah is considered one long day, and therefore by that the Shachyon on the first day would be sufficient for the second day, or do we say it's again two separate days of Yom Tov, and the first day needs a Shachyon, and the second day needs a Shachyon. And therefore we have a Sophic in Halacha. It's not quite clear. The primary Halacha is that you can make a Shachyon on the second day, but in order to avoid doubt, and as we've discussed many times throughout these Shurim and Hilchus Brachas, whenever we have a Sophic in Bracha, we try to avoid the doubt because Sophic Brachas is Lahokil. So in order to get around this issue of Sophic Brachas with regards to the Shechiyonu on the second day Yom Tov, there used to be a minic in many shuls in Ashkenaz that the Baltikea, for example, would be, they would buy before Yom Tov for the Baltikea a new suit and he would put it on in the morning before Shafris and wear it. But by the time it came to Tekea Shefi, he was still enjoying and feeling the simcha of the new suit. And so when he came to the Tkiyah Shefer, he would make the brachas and he would make a shechiyonu. And that shechiyonu would be a shechiyonu, either on the new suit, or it would be a shechiyonu on the day, if the day requires a shechiyonu. And that way I've resolved my dilemma here of Suffolk brachas. Do I say shechiyonu? Do I not say shechiyonu? We don't have that meaning anymore of buying a suit for the Baltikea. And again, all of us that... Make Kiddush a home on a, on the second night of, of, of Rosh Hashanah. We have the same problem. Should we make a Shechion or should we not? So the minute has evolved that what we do is we buy a, a fruit that's unusual, that's not always in the season, and we make a Shechion on Kiddush on that fruit. But here becomes, uh, the, the problem becomes slightly more difficult because I'm not going to be eating that fruit straight away. I'm only going to eat that fruit in a few minutes time. So why am I allowed to make a Shechion now on the fruit I'm only going to be eating later? So you may say that 
Okay, a few minutes break doesn't matter. I'm making shechiyano on the yomtuf, and if worse comes to worse, it's not a good shechiyano on the yomtuf. I'll make the shechiyano on the fruit, which I'm going to be eating in a few minutes' time. And then, but we've just learned that you can't really make shechiyano unless the trigger for the bracha has already been in place. And it gets even more complicated when you talk about the baltakeya. What we do in shul when it comes to baltakeya, we buy another special fruit, an unusual fruit, and we give it to the baltakeya. And ta- at the time of Tkiyas Shefer. So when he's saying a shechiyonu, he's saying a shechiyonu on both the mitzvah of Tkiyas Shefer and on the fruit. But he's not going to be eating that fruit at all. Uh, even if he does take it home at the end of davening, davening a musaf for Rosh Hashanah is a long davening. He's not going to be eating that fruit for hours and hours and hours. So how can that shechiyonu help on that fruit? And the answer is, as we explained a few moments ago, that the primary bracha of shechiyonu on fruit is meant to be said ideally when you see the fruit not when you actually eat the fruit. The minute has evolved that we say the shechiyonu when you eat the fruit because sometimes we don't enjoy this sight of fruit, as we explained. But the primary halacha is that you should make the shechiyonu when you see the fruit. So what we do in shul is we'd have the mekadesh on leil second night Rosh Hashanah or the batakeh on second day Rosh Hashanah. There will be a fruit on a tray. It's a silver tray in shul and it's covered up. And when the batakeh or the chazan gets to the stage of about to say Kiddush or about to blow Shofar, make the brachas on the Shofar, and he gets to the point where he's about to say the Shechiyonu, we then uncover the fruit. So at that moment, the Baltakeah and the Chazan will, for the first time, see this fruit that's just come into season or is not usually in the shops and it's not normally visible to, to a person and the average person in the street. And he will see this unusual fruit and he'll say, oh, wow, what a simcha. And he'll immediately say shechionu. And that shechionu will be a shechionu, either on the visualizing, the seeing the, the fruit, which triggers a shechionu, or it'll be a shechionu on the day, which is a suffolk. Perhaps it is, perhaps it isn't. So by having a fruit there, which we open up for the first time when he's about to say shechionu, we've now resolved he can definitely make a shechionu on the fruit. And if he can't make a shechion on the day, it'll be a shechion only on the fruit. If he can make a shechion on the day, it'll be a shechion on the day too. And that's the halacha based on this shechion being said on fruit, which is primarily meant to be said on seeing the fruit, but we have the minute to say it and when we eat the fruit. But we do rely on the primary halacha when it comes to the scenario of Rosh Hashanah, which is a sophic bracha, and we want to avoid that difficulty of a sophic bracha. The bracha of Hatoiva Metiv is another type of bracha, which we will discuss later, the parameters of when you say Hatoiva Metiv. But whenever there is a trigger for Hatoiva Metiv, you must have the trigger there first. And as long as the trigger is still there, invisible, visual, and in front of you, and you have the simcha for that trigger, then you can continue to say the Hatoiva Metiv. If that trigger is not there anymore, or the simcha is waned, and you don't have that level of joy Anymore, then the Hateva Metiv cannot be said. The Bracha of Dayan Ha'emes, which is said, unfortunately, when, when somebody departs from this world, that's also a Bichus Hashvach. And he goes under the banner of Bichus Hashvach, the Bracha of Dayan Ha'emes, but again, can only be said at a time when the sadness of the departing, the, the departed person is felt. So either the time of the, when the Neshama leaves a person, or the time when we do the Kriya just before the Leviah. So again, the Agmas Nefesh, the, the terribly sad feeling of a person departing from this world is, is tangibly felt, then the Bracha of Dainamis can be said. 
But once that feeling has began to dissipate a tiny bit, a little bit, you don't have that level of anguish, then the brach of dynamics cannot be said anymore. The brach of Ashayotza, which we say every time we, we, we go to the bathroom, Ashayotza is also a bichas ashrach. It's a brach of thanking a Kurdish brach for the ability to, to relieve oneself and, and the, the bodily functions are functioning as they should. That, there the Ashayotza can be said from the moment you've, you've left the bathroom, of course, washed your hands, until the point when a person needs to relieve himself again and return to the bathroom. Anytime from the leaving the, fir- the bathroom for the first time till when a person needs to repeat the same procedure a second time, the Ashayotza can be said. But once he reaches a stage where he needs to return to the bathroom, then the first Ashayotza is lost. And he has to say Ashiyotza for the second time, but the first Ashiyotza has been lost, and he can't say it again. He can't say it for the first time. I want to sidetrack a little bit. It's not really a sidetracking, but it's another group of Brichas Hashrach, and we'll come back to the ones that we've begun to discuss a bit later. Another group of Brichas Hashrach is the Brochas that we say every morning, known as Brichas Hashacha. The Brichas Hashacha, the Brochas that we say in the morning, we start off with Ashanosam Masech Vivino, the Havchim Ben Yom of Eloila, Brocha that we Praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu for giving the cockerel, the intelligence, the intellect to differentiate between day and night. Of course, as soon as the, the, the light breaks in the morning, the dawn begins to rise, the cockerel will start announcing the fact that the day is beginning. So we begin to make a bracha, and we have a number of brachas, which we then follow on with. And... All these brachas are bichas hashvach. The Gemara tells us very clearly what trigger triggers the need for this bracha. And this therefore brings us to a very interesting discussion in the Rishonim. Because if you learn the Gemara in its simplest form, the Gemara seems to indicate that there are triggers for all these brachas, and you need to have had those triggers for the bracha to be said. That's how the Rambam Paskins. That's how most Rishonim would seem to understand the Gemara. But for reasons, as we'll explain in a moment, the, the Chazal instituted that here we can't actually say the bracha at the time of the trigger. We're going to say the bracha a bit later when we come to Shul, and together we'll be able to say the bracha sashacha. But the Primary incentive which triggers the Birchus Hashacha are a list of triggers that take place every morning when we arise, when we wake up from our sleep. And therefore, the first thing that takes that happens when we wake up in the morning is that the day begins. And the first thing a person's supposed to immediately, and he wakes up and he, he begins to realize it's day, the first brach he should make before he's done anything. The first brachi should make is Hashemasana Sechvivino, giving praise to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, giving shvach for the fact that the new day has dawned. He then opens his eyes. That's the next thing he will do. He will then open his eyes, and you open eyes for the wonderful chesed Hakadosh Baruch Hu's bestowed upon us. He enabled us to open our eyes, so we say the bracha of Pekeach Ivrim. Now we actually have three brachas that precede the Pekeach Ivrim, and we have the bracha of Shleisani Nochri. Or Shalai Goy, if you have a different Nusuf to ours. Shalai Sani Oved, we praise Akash Baruch for not making us a non-Jew, for not making us into a servant, and for not making us into a woman, or for 
making us the way he has made us. Those are the three brachas that Chazal instituted every single day. They don't necessarily have to be said together with Bechas HaShachar, but since we're saying Bechas HaShachar together as a group, so we added them all in together and we say them as part of that group. So they become, they are the next three brachas where we give praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In the morning, when we wake up, that we are who we are. We are a Jew. We're not non-Jews. That we are people who can function as as, as uh, obligated in mitzvahs. We're not a servant. We're people who are, who are, who are able to fulfill the mitzvahs that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us. We are men, or we are Asa Kitsani. We are a woman. Whatever it may be, we have to give praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, we immediately say, Shloi Sani Nochri, Shloi Sani Ovet, Shloi Sani Isha. And then we go back to the order of events that really trigger all these brachas. And the first trigger is we open our eyes, so we say, We give praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who opens up the eyes of those who are blind. When a person's eyes are shut, he's effectively blind. He opens them up in the morning and he sees the light and begins to see, recognize the things that are around him and where he is. We make a brach immediately. There's a trigger to give praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Wonderful praise. Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for opening up our eyes and enabling us to see and not remain blind. Now, historically, most people went to bed under the covers without any clothes. So the first thing you did in the morning after you opened your eyes was you began to get dressed because you couldn't come out from bed without putting your clothes on. So the next bracha we make is Malbisharumim. This is Minik Ashkenaz, and I'm running through the brachas in the order of Minik Ashkenaz. Minik Swad is a slightly different order. It's a very big machlek. It's a shame you have to understand the Gemara. But this is the Minik Ashkenaz, and we're going to work our way through the Minik that we have. The next thing, if you get dressed, you thank Akash Baruch for giving you clothes, for enabling you to be clothed, for enabling you to have clothes and walk around dressed and not humiliated that you have to walk around without clothes. And you thank Akash Baruch and you say, Mal Bisharumim. Akash Baruch praised are you that gave clothes and you dress, and you clothe those who are orum, those who are naked. Then, once you're dressed, you can begin to get out of your bed. There's no problem with sneers now, because you have clothes on. So you're allowed to emerge from your bed. So you emerge from your bed, you sit up in your bed. You don't actually get out of bed, yet you sit up in your bed. You sit up in your bed, you say a bracha of mati asurim. Lying is an element of being bound and tied into a horizontal position. You're now sitting up, you're able to maneuver, you're able to function in a much more uh, convenient way. So we make a bracha takadosh baruchu. Thank you, takadosh baruchu, for enabling us to sit up in bed, mati asurim. When we stretch and begin to stand, we're not yet quite ready to stand, but we're in the process of enabling ourselves to stand up. We realize that we are not only just sitting, we can actually stretch and begin to stand. We make a bracha, thank you, he who straightens those who are bent. And that's another bracha, a shrach, that we have to give to as the process of waking up in the morning and beginning to start functioning as human beings. Every, every part of that process is another praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We place our feet on the floor. What a wonderful chesed that we're able to get out of bed and put our feet on the floor. We say, Baruch Hashem, He who placed the land, the earth, on the water. We now have land that we can walk on. It's not just water. There's earth. There's land. There's a firm ground that we can step on. And that's a praise that we give to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as soon as we're able to put our feet on the ground. We then put our shoes on. Because before we walk anywhere, we place shoes on our feet. And there we say, Sarki, because shoes is the essential element of, of the dress of man. It makes a person feel like a human being. It makes a person feel that he can function. The poverty of somebody not having a, not having a pair of shoes is all encompassing. And therefore we make a bracha, Thank you, Akash Baruch, you've given us all our needs. We're dressed. 
we're able to get up. We have our feet on the ground. We can now actually put shoes on, which enables us to move around and function. Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Sha'asali Kol Sarki. Once we get up and we start walking, we have to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the ability that we can put one foot in front of the other. We can maneuver around one place to the other. We can extend ourselves from where we are to different places. And we say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaMechin Mitzadei Gobe. He prepared the steps of man. We are able to walk Move, maneuver, unbelievable chesed from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And every morning we give that praise, HaMechem Sadi Gobe. And this is really the sequence of events that we should be praising every every morning as the events take place. The events trigger and we make a bracha. That's Bechus HaShvach. Event, a trigger, the event triggers, and immediately we give Bechus HaShvach as soon as we can. Then you finish your process of getting dressed and you put your belt on. The belt is the final act of the completion of dressing. So you put your belt on, you thank with strength. Tying a belt around a person is a sign of strength, is a sign of the completion of man. And therefore we make a bracha. No man is allowed to walk around without a hat on his head. And therefore, you're dressed now, you put your hat on your head, you say, Gemara tells us, when he, when he, he spreads the suda, the cloth, on his head, he puts his hat, his couple on, then he makes a bracha, thank you for crowning us with glory. He's now walking around, but he's still tired. He's still tired. Eventually that tiredness will lift and he will feel much more awake than he did a few minutes ago. And immediately he makes a bracha, he gives to the tired person strength, the ability to function, the ability to act, the ability to be a, a functioning human being and not a human being that's that's dragged down by tiredness. That's the next praise we give. Finally, we remove the sleep from our eyes. Some say when you wash your eyes, some say you rub your eyes, you remove the, the, the sleep from your eyes, you say, And that's the last bracha in the Bichas HaShach and the Bichas HaShvach that we say every single day. And as we see the Gemara in, in indicates and how the Rambam Paskans and the Shuchanar seems to say that, you should really be saying the brachas as the triggers happen. So you should be lying in bed, and you should, you, 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 your, your alarm's gone and you wake up. So you know it's now 6 o'clock in the morning, 5.30, 6, whatever it may be, 7. And you know a new day has dawned. You should be, you should start the brachas. However, there are other Rishonim who have a different view on this. The run, for example, says that though the triggers take place early in the morning, but Chazal never said in this case that you should say the praise, give praise at the time of the trigger. Because these triggers take place every day, they instituted that you should say them in the basement, in the basic Knesset, or at the beginning of your Tfilah Shachris. The Prichadr says this is a continuation of what we've discussed a few moments ago. In Birchus HaShvach, as long as the trigger, the, 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 the result of that trigger is still there, then you can still make a bracha. So when I walk around dressed and I go to shul with my hat and with my coat and I'm, I'm awake and I have strength and I'm able to function and I can put one leg in front of the other and I'm wearing my shoes, etc., etc., then I still feel the tremendous praise and shvach for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for all those wonderful chasadim that he gave us that mo- this morning when I woke out of bed and therefore I'm able to say it even a bit later in the day. And I can actually say it throughout the day. It makes no difference because the triggers for this brich shvach is there. The Torah gives us a slightly different reason why we only say it in shul. And that is because since nowadays our hands are unclean when we wake up. We haven't watched Negobasa. We've touched areas of the body we shouldn't have touched. And therefore, we can't make any brachas. So we anyway have to get out of bed 
and wash our hands before we can begin to make these brachas. And therefore, in order to make sure that nobody is going to say these brachas with unclean hands, we instituted that these brachas should be said in the shul as part of the tefillah. But again, they are brachas which are giving praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for this wonderful process that takes place every single morning. We have the minute to start with Maidan and because we can't say these brachas. So we want to give thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Every morning we wake up and we see a new day. The Baruch Shalom has allowed Anashama to return to our body and we're able to function and serve him for another full day, another day of serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we start off with the Maidan and that we say every single morning as soon as we're able to say it. But primarily, the brachas should be the, the brachas should be said instead of Maidani, because these are the brachas of shvach. These are the brachas of praise that we say every morning. Takadish Baruch enabling us to see another day and function as human beings throughout the day. The bracha of Birchas Hashachar can be said from Chatzos. As soon as you've crossed Chatzos, so it's the next day, even though the actual day hasn't dawned yet. But you're now up and about because of the next day. You're now up and about to start your next day. And you, you can say those birches and from them already immediately then. Whether you can say which is a primarily a bracha on the dawning of the new morning, that is a discussion in the halacha. And therefore, again, soften brachas. For that one, you should wait until the day has dawned, until the, the morning has, has begun, in order to say the Rokha of Hashem Asana Though it is a machlekes in halacha, whether it's you can say it at night or you can't. So that's the order of Bichas Ashrach that we say every morning. So we've seen a number of different scenarios, a number of different types of Bichas Ashrach. We've had the Bichas Ashrach of Shechionu, we've had the Bichas Ashrach of Atayv Hametiv, we've had the Bichas Ashrach that we say when we see uh, thunder, lightning, the sea, which is Isomisabracious, or the Brach on the Yom HaGadol, the Yom HaGadol, which is Osses Yom HaGadol. These are all wonderful different types of Brichas HaShvach, giving praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In fact, the Yom HaGadol is a Machlekes, exactly where the Yom HaGadol is. Is the Yom HaGadol the Mediterranean, or is it the Atlantic? Is it the, what the, what the, the Paskim or the Gemara calls the Yom HaTichon? the Mediterranean, or is it the Ukainus, the ocean, which is known as the Atlantic? And therefore, Seeing the Mediterranean is a suffix. Should we make the bracha? Seeing the Atlantic is also a suffix. Should we make the bracha? Maybe it's the Mediterranean. It's not the Atlantic. And if you see the Mediterranean, maybe it's the Atlantic, not the Mediterranean. However, they do say, and I'm not, uh, I have no, no knowledge why it is like that, but they say that the Mediterranean and Atlantic meet just outside the Gulf of, uh, the, the, uh, the Straits of Gibraltar, just, uh, just outside of Gibraltar. If you're standing on Gibraltar on the rock, you can see where the Mediterranean and the Atlantic meet. And if that is true, that that's the point where the Mediterranean and Atlantic meet in Halacha, I have no idea if it's true, but let's assume it's true that what the, the present world understands to be the point of change between the Mediterranean and the Atlantic as being just outside Gibraltar, then if you're standing in Gibraltar and you can see both the Mediterranean and the Atlantic, you can actually make the bracha of Sha'as Yom HaGodol because there you have no Suffolk. You're seeing both the Mediterranean and the Atlantic. So that's one benefit of going to Gibraltar. I'm not sure if there's any others. There's one, it's a lovely place, but a bit claustrophobic, but there's a lovely benefit that you're able to see the Mediterranean and the Atlantic and make the bracha of Sha'as Yom HaGodol. There's another bracha which goes under the banner of Bichas Ashvach, really under the banner of Bichas Haidor, a bracha of thanksgiving, and that's the bracha of Bichas Hagoimel. When we pass through a difficult time, a sakona, and in a moment I'll tell you the cases that Chazal described 
that demand the bracha of Hagoimel, that demand the bracha of Hagoimel. Then we say a bracha of Hagoimel Chayobim Toivei Shegomalano Kol Toiv. A bracha of Hagoimel, he who deals Chayobim to those who are obligated, those who are Chayov Toivei, good things Shegomalano Kol Toiv. He he deals with us all the good, and we respond, and all the all the congregants, all the people who hear the bracha, respond with a response of kind, in kind. Now the Gemara tells us that this bracha of Hagoimel has to be said by four different groups of people. And the Gemara tells, says the four, four groups of people are as follows. Avraham, somebody who's passed over the sea, sees a dangerous place. And if you manage to get across from one side to the other, or wherever you're traveling to and back, in one piece, you make a bracha of thanksgiving. If somebody was unwell and he was healed, he has to make a bracha of if somebody was incarcerated in a base asurim, he was incarcerated in prison. When he's released, he has to make the bracha. Or somebody crosses the midbar. He's traveling from one place to the other through the midbar. Coming out of the midbar alive at the other side is a wonderful thing. It's an unbelievable chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we make a bracha of The Swarim give us a simon, a simon to these four, because we say every day in Shmoneso, V'chol ha-chaim, V'chol ha-chaim, Yoyducho Selo. All those who live, Yoyducho, should thank you. Chaim is Rosh Hatevis, Ches is Chovush, somebody who's incarcerated. The first yud is Yisurim, somebody who was ill, and he recovered. The second yud is Yam, somebody who crossed the sea, and therefore needs to give praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the last mem, of course, is Midbar, somebody who crossed the desert. All those four, is B'chol HaChayim, all those four, is Yerducho, have to give thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The thanks that they have to give to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in the form of a bracha of HaGomel, L'chayom, and Tevesh, The bracha of HaGomel can only be said in front of ten, ideally in front of ten learned people. But we're in front of ten people. As long as you have ten people there, you can say the bracha of HaGomel. Today, the meaning has become that we say the bracha of HaGomel in shul, at the time of Kriya Satoya, because at the time of Kriya Satoya, there's definitely going to be 10 people there. And therefore, we say the Brach of Agamemnon at the time of Kriya Satoya. The concept of a Chayla Shenisrapa, which demands a Bracha of Hagomel Chayav and Tevis, in Minigashkinaz, according to the Ramah, that is, in Minigashkinaz, the Bracha of Hagomel Chayav and Tevis can only be said on a Chayla who was a Chayla Mesukan, a Chayla who was very ill. For example, he had what's known as a makas pnim, a makas chalal. It was a very internal wound, which is life-threatening, or any illness which is life-threatening. And he recovers. Then he needs to make the bracha of If, however, he was ill, but it wasn't life-threatening, so a minor operation, which is today not considered life-threatening, a bad flu, not considered life-threatening, even COVID, if it wasn't in a situation where you were like, where it was life-threatening, then you wouldn't make a bracha of Agomel. If Chas Shalom, a person was in Loyalena, a person was in a situation of illness which was life-threatening, then when he recovers from that, he needs to make a bracha of Agomel. Recovery means that he's back on his feet, walking around like an average person. He's able to walk out like a normal person. Doctors say he's out of danger and he's functioning, and then he can make the bracha of Agomel Many hold that he has to be not just functioning, he has to be completely and utterly healed. And if he's not completely healed, with no trace of the illness left, he can't make the bracha of Agamemnon. 
The primary halacha is as long as he's functioning and walking around like a normal person, he can make the bracha by going well. Even if there's some elements of the illness still there, as long as he's out of danger and he's functioning, he can make the bracha. Others are makbid. Others are careful not to make the bracha until he is completely recovered from that illness. In Exis the minig is for a woman who's just given birth to a child to say the bracha vagomel, not to leave home and not to go out until she said the bracha vagomel. The first thing she will do is say the bracha vagomel and then she'll be able to leave the home. So they will bring 10 people into the house or the wife will go to a shul and say from the ladies' gallery, will say the bracha vagomel. And that's because a woman who gave birth is considered a choyla masukan. We allow her to eat on Yom Kippur. We're mechal shabbos for a woman during birth because the process of giving birth is considered dangerous in halacha. And therefore, post-danger, you need to make a bracha. But you can only make that bracha when you've recovered from the birth. So to get out of bed three days after your birth and say, I'm well, wouldn't work. You'd have to wait until you're fully recovered, two weeks, a week, two weeks, three weeks, depending on who you are, and depending on how quick the recovery is. And only then can you make the bracha of Agam and Achayav and But that has to be said in front of 10 people. It can't be said just in a room for quietly on your own. So you'd have to either go to a shul or gather 10 people into the home and say Hagomel, and that's what they do in Etisrael. Here in Chutz Laris, we don't make Hagomel. A, a, a woman is given birth, we don't ask them to make Hagomel. That's not a minute of Chutz Laris. Perhaps because today the sakana of childbirth is much more limited. Though in Halacha, we would still be Mechal Shabbos for childbirth. We would be allow a woman within three days of, of childbirth to eat, etc. on your kippah. But we don't make Hagomel. Whatever the reason is, we don't make Hagomel. What we do do is we allow the woman to go to shul. She comes to shul and she listens to a Kriya She hears the husband having an aliyah. And then we make a Mishaberach. And that's the first the first outing that the woman takes post-birth. That gives her the, the Kedusha that she needs now. And she can now go from there and continue with the mundane work of day-to-day life. And that's the meaning of Chutzlaret. We do not make a Hagomel for a woman who's just given birth to a child. Crossing the sea, which we, we learned a moment ago, also requires a Bichas Hagoymel. Crossing the sea requires a Bichas Hagoymel. But if you went on a pleasure, a pleasure trip on a boat uh, out to the sea and back, that's not con- considered a Sakona. In today's world, that's not considered a sakana. And since Minagashkanaz is we only make this bracha when the situation, these four situations are considered dangerous, therefore going out for a pleasure, pleasure trip on a sea is not considered a sakana and you do not make hagomel. Going on a cruise, questionable. Maybe it's considered dangerous being on a cruise on the sea and therefore maybe you should make hagomel. I'm not sure. But for sure, going on a rowing boat out to sea or on, on a powerboat for a little trip around the a bay out in sea, that's not considered Ivrehayom, and you do not need to make a bracha. Even crossing the channel in, in, in boats that we have today, many possibly say that's not considered dangerous, and we do not make the bracha of Hagomel. Flying in an airplane brings us to a double question here. First of all, is flying in an airplane dangerous? There's uh, thousands and hundreds of thousands of flights daily, weekly, whether they are today, I'm not sure, but they definitely were up until now, and they will be very soon again. Thousands of flights taking place daily with millions of people traveling and flying without any risk to their lives whatsoever. The level of risk statistically is minimal, but yet no one will deny an airplane in the sky is in a dangerous position. It doesn't take a lot for an airplane to malfunction and put everybody's life at risk. 
So you are in a dangerous situation. The amount of danger that actually comes from an airplane is very small. Same as going on a pleasure cruise. You're in a dangerous situation. You're in a place in the sea. The sea is considered a dangerous place. Is that called the Mokham Sakana today? With all the precautions that we take and all the knowledge that we have, questionable. Therefore, on an airplane, it's questionable whether you can, you should be making a bracha. Now, an airplane is not one of the four because it's not a chayla, masukan. It's not over a yam. It's not over a midbar. And it's not somebody's come out of a base, a base and somebody's come out from being incarcerated. However, there are some who say that flying an airplane does constitute over a yam. Because you fly over the sea or you fly over the, over the deserts in order to get from, from one country to the other. Therefore, in the world of halacha, there's become a huge discussion. Do you make a brach of hagomel when you fly or do you not? And the minigin our shul, which was set up by Rabbi, Rabbi Feldman, was that we do not make a bracha in our shul on flying. If you would have asked Rabbi Feldman and I followed with a psaka Rabbi Feldman, we haven't changed is that flying is not constituted, does not constitute any of the four cases that Chazal Refer to of the Chol Hachaim Yeducha Selo, and therefore we do not make a Shul a Bracha on flying. There's another discussion in the Poskim whether if a person f- flew from place A to place B, was only there for a short while, and he's returning home, or he was m- traveling on from there to another another place, does he make a Goimel in the first stop? He's only there for a short while, or do we say he's finished the first leg of his journey? That's dangerous. And therefore, go make, go make a brach of Agomel. When you continue on your second leg of your journey, you'll make another Agomel. Or do we say this is all considered one long, one long journey and you only make the brach when you've reached the end of your journey, when you've come home or when you've arrived at the destination that you intend to be for, for a while, then you can make the brach of Agomel. Even for those who make a bracha on a plane flight, would they make the bracha when they've landed? They went to Switzerland for the day, or they went to, to Gibraltar for the day, or wherever it may be. Went there to Israel for the, for, for a short while, for a few hours. And they then came back. Do we then say you make a gomel or not? So again, another discussion in the poskim. And whenever we say Sophic brachas, lahakil, we should try and avoid those scenarios, or don't say the bracha until you come back. Traveling through the desert, which you could do if you travel down south in Israel, but today, where, where they've built beautiful, wonderful roads running right through the desert, the risk and the danger of the desert is almost non-existent. And since, according to Minigashkinaz, these four, V'choyl HaChaim Yeduch which requires a brocha of HaGemel, is only said when you're in a situation of danger. And again today, driving through the desert, through built-up roads, would not constitute a danger, and therefore the brocha of HaGemel is not said. If a person had a ness happen to him in any, in a specific location, a person was in a car crash and it was dangerous and he survived or any similar type of ness. Every time he passes that place, he needs to make a bracha of shasali ness What's interesting is not only him, but all his descendants can make the bracha of shasali ness And therefore, when we went to Auschwitz on the first trip in Shul to Poland, uh, Chazan Nathan Gluck, who's making a wedding tonight, Chazan Nathan Gluck, who, whose grandmother, whose, whose, uh, parents, whose grandparents, parents and grandparents, I think, were in Auschwitz. Therefore, and parents came out and survived, and he, he is a Yotze Chalotso. He's a descendant of someone who went through Auschwitz. Surviving Auschwitz was a miracle, and therefore he made a bracha, Bashama Machos of Shosli Nesp Machmazet. 
These brachas, which are said with, by triggers such as the sea or triggers such as seeing a place of a nest, can only be said once in 30 days. So if you saw the Yamagodl or you saw a sea and you wanted to make the bracha of Isamasa of, Bracious or you want to make a bracha of Shasas Yamagodl or you can make the bracha of Shasas can only be said once in 30 days. Hagoma can be said every time you have a new Sakana. But the triggers which are constant, constantly there, which trigger a bracha of shvach can only be said once in 30 days. In simple halacha, once in 30 days means if you saw a sea on a Sunday, then the next time you can make the bracha, next time you make the bracha of Oysamayasabrashis can only be four weeks later on Wednesday. Because four weeks later, Wednesday is exactly, is the day after 30 days. Four weeks later, Sunday will be 28 days, Monday will be 29, Tuesday will be 30, Wednesday is the day after 30 days. So post 30 days, you can make the bracha, repeat of that bracha. But prior to that, you cannot, if you saw it again. Only once in every 30 days. Some people say you can actually make it on Tuesday. You can make it on the 30th day. But that's again a machlokis in halacha. And whenever we have a machlokis in bracha, we always err on the side of caution. And therefore we don't make the bracha of shasli nesbamak, shasli or oisam or any of those triggers that are permanent unless it's 30 full days have elapsed in between one bracha and the other. I'm going to stop here tonight because I have to make my way to this uh, wedding. We are in the middle of the brachas of Brichas Ashrach, and Reza Hashem, in two weeks' time, we will continue. We need to discuss what brachas to make on thunder and lightning. We need to discuss uh, different aspects of Brichas Ashrach, Ateva Metiv, and Shechiyon, which we haven't yet discussed, and other areas of Brichas Ashrach. We will continue, Reza Hashem, in two weeks' time, and I wish you all a very good night and a healthy week, and everything should go well for everybody. Reza Hashem, we should all be gesund. And everybody should be well. Thank you very much. Have a very good night.